0: Hi, uh, yeah, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And guess what? I'm your guest, Dr. Pat, joining you live. We do it like a bunch of hours a week, and we are having a blast. Uh, today must be kind of the show where I, I – uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, you know, generally speaking, I, I rarely talk about spirituality more than twice a week because we have such a variety of shows that we do As I said before, the Dr. Pat show is talk radio to thrive by, and we will talk about everything from sex to spirituality, and actually some people don't think there's much difference. But today happens to be kind of an unusual day. Uh, Earlier in the day, I got to do a show called Bible Babble, and now I get to do a show with an amazing author, Uh, What If We... Uh, what if we're him? There's something going on here. The transformation of spirituality with my very special guest, Dr. Gene Pascucci, a metaphysician, and more importantly, has a very interesting background we're going to hear about, but he is someone that has been committed to solving one of humanity's most profound puzzles. How did we get separated from God in the first place? And uh, beyond all of that, what does that separation mean? You know, this is not an an indictment on any religion, Christianity, Catholicism tonight at all. What we do on this show is to question and bring alternative possibilities. And that's why I love doing this. And that's why um, this amazing individual is joining us here on the show. What if we're him? There's something going on here. The transformation of spirituality. That's the book that Dr. Jean has put together. And, you you know, the cover is very unique, which, of course, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, But there's also some very interesting quotes and, more importantly, questions in this book. And so get ready to take a journey with us on what this was like for him to begin questioning at a very early age and to come to this place now where he is the author of What If We're Him? Dr. Jean, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's great to have you on.
1: Dr. Pat, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and, and be on your show.
0: So, you know, there's the, there's the obvious question that people, I get asked, uh, probably asked you like a gazillion times, why did you write this book? What was the passion? But I'm going to ask you a different question. Okay. The, the question that I want I, I want to ask you is, you know, given your journey, given all that you've done, all that you've questioned, all that you are, what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment?
1: Well, you know, Pat, probably if I went a little bit linearly from the beginning, was just being a young boy. My parents moved from New York City to Reno, Nevada, and I found myself in a Catholic school. I was six years old. Some of the neighborhood kids talked me into breaking into a house and stealing some gum, and we were just learning about confession, so I felt like I was already a bad person. And in the meantime, yeah, my mother yeah, became yeah. very sick and was, went away to a hospital, and I thought that was my punishment for doing stealing the gum.
0: Yeah. You know, I had a very similar experience. Um, uh, at age seven, I was put into Catholic boarding school in New Jersey and uh, wasn't the most obedient child, and while in Catholic boarding school, my mother died. And oh so, mm-hmm. yeah, so guilt and shame and a whole bunch of other things and why wasn't you a better, why wasn't I a better child and all of that, um, but how do you do you deal with that as a young child? I mean, how, well, did, I you, it, how did you it deal got, with that?
1: It, it got more complex in terms of, you know, becoming a teenager and discovering my sexuality through some older teenage boys with uh, masturbation and then becoming a senior, junior senior in high school and discovering my sexuality again with a high school girl and going through, you know, discovering new words like fornication. And in my religion at the time, that wasn't acceptable. And then probably the most profound and most uh, moving situation was her becoming pregnant. We drove to San Francisco. We had to make a decision whether we were going to have an abortion or try and have a baby. We were only 17 years old at the time, and we decided to do the abortion. And I went to San Francisco, and we found an abortion clinic that fronted as an eye clinic. And when we went there... The nurse kind of told me to take off, and I went over to the zoo, and I was just in the agony looking at all the baby animals, realizing I was destroying life, and at 17 to realize that quite potentially in my religion I was a murderer. So it took quite a, quite a profound impact on me at that point to decide, do I deserve to still be on the planet? And. Their awakening was, who, do I, who am I now? And I kind of went on a self-destructive mode at that point. I didn't deserve to be on the planet, but at the same time, I was too afraid to die and burn in a fiery hell, which, again, was part of my religion. I won't indict Catholicism. I think it's a beautiful thing. It was just my experience that I was going through at the time, and I had to make a decision whether to stay or go. And I think what happened at that point was a decision to say, there's something going on here. And even at a younger age, when I first was receiving the host, I remember choking on it. And I was only, you know, seven, eight years old, and I remember having this profound spiritual experience of projecting to the back of the church and feeling I couldn't touch the host in my throat. It was too sacred. And at the same time, I was choking. And I remember this epiphany of looking at this figure hanging on the wall, bleeding, and the nuns and the priests and the garb and the whole sanctimonious thing going on and, and thinking, there's something going on here. I want to figure out what's going on. I'm in a question. And again, at 18 was, I want to study everybody who knows what I think they most, what I most want to know. And that started that, you know, progress to go forward. Um, so what I love what... about
0: this and what I love about your talking about is even though you ran mm-hmm. into some challenges, let's call them paradoxes, uh, mm-hmm. contradictions in spirituality, religion, what you were being taught, it really did open the door for you to start questioning. And, re- and it sounds like you were really hungry to find out more.
1: It was, it was, I became an insatiable student. I really did. Yeah. I really became an insatiable student. I wanted to know everything about everything. And you know, my, my personality was shy. Even to be on the phone, there's a shyness to, to share something. And then I had everybody driving me saying, you need to share this. This is quite a moving story. And then I realized too, I tried to write the book that if people wanted to read the book that they could map their own experiences, like you said, to lose your mother, then what do you do with that? You know, and who do you go to and how do you find out? And I started to see something that there really was truly a virgin birth of born into ignorance not knowing who you are, not knowing how you got here. My parents are in their latter 80s, and I tease them now. I said, you're getting ready to leave, and you didn't tell me how I got here, what I'm supposed to be do while I'm here, and then how do I get the heck out of here, and you're getting ready to leave. And so for me, the process was like, there really is something truly powerful going on. And I wanted to know from my own personal experience, and I was going to explore every avenue that I could No rocks, leave no rock unturned.
0: And, you know, this is really kind of interesting. We're having this conversation here. For those of you just tuning in, let me introduce you to my very special guest today, Dr. Gene Pascucci, joining me here on the show. The book is What If We're Him? What If We're Him? There's something going on here, the transformation of spirituality. I want to kind of start backwards, if I okay. might, uh, or forward. It depends on how you look at it. I want to start with the, confirma- with the conversation about the transformation of spirituality. and. Uh, And and obviously, by writing this book and by putting this in the title, there is a conversation that you've had with yourself and a shift in beliefs that really believes that we are going through a transformation of spirituality. And the word transformation and spirit aren't necessarily always the same. How would you depict this transformation that we're going through today? And what would you say are the reasons for it?
1: Well, I think we're ready for it. And I think mm-hmm. we're I think we're exhausted with our media. There's kind of a circus mm-hmm. going on. I went to yeah. India, you know, in in terms of seeking, there's so many things to talk about. I went to India in 1988 with three of my male friends. One of the things that was empowering to me was when I broke away from Catholicism, not because it was bad, just I wanted to explore more. I went to my parents and I said, I am tired of feeling so guilty. And so one of my friends had told me about Transcendental Meditation, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, with the Beatles in the, you know, in the 60s. We were yeah. in the early 70s at the time. And we wanted to go to India. So in 1988, we had the opportunity to go. Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was in Maharishi Nagar at the time. There was another holy man, very powerful, and if people want to look him up in the internet, I think he's fantastic, was Sai Baba in southern India. And we had an opportunity to see him. But one of the things that was really interesting, there was a little holy man thing in the ashram. And he invited us into this little area where he was. His mother was sitting on a small piece of carpet. She was in her 90s. He was in his 70s. The fascinating thing to me is in Hindi, she kept telling us to give us candy, and she was teasing. Here I am a dentist. She didn't have any teeth. And I'm looking at him, and I said, What is it like for you to observe four Westerners coming to India? I'm 12,000 miles away from home, and I'm looking now back at home, but I'm also looking at India. What's it like for you? And he looked at me, and he said, cute voice, are you aware of the chakras? Well, people may have not heard of the chakras, C-H-A-K-R-A. The chakras are seven energy centers in the human spine. You have to remember, I'm a scientist and a dentist and a biologist. So the chakras is the endocrine system in the human body. He said, you live in the lower self. He said, you live in your bowel, your sexual organs, and your belly. You live in survival, sexuality, and power. He said, when you go home, pay attention to your commercials and your advertising. We didn't have internet yet. So he said, just look at magazines and notice the conversations about survival, sexuality, and power. He said, there's another whole place to move into the heart chakra. Compassion and recognition that you are deity. I was turned on. That was it. Because as a little boy, that's what I thought. And I was told I couldn't believe that. I had it. Me and God were separate. And here, the transformation to me was, who is, who is this I am that I am that's speaking? Who's, who am I talking to right now? Who are these listeners on the phone? Beyond an identity, beyond a name and a body and a gender, who am I present to? And in that moment, there's an epiphany. And it's extraordinary that there's something extraordinary going on. And there is something going on. You know, and there are a like lot of things that people call
0: this this thing that's going on, and we're going to talk about this and much more, uh, uh, Dr. Jean, throughout the show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a sense that people in general—and I don't like to generalize—but let's just let's just call them people in general—have a sense that there's something going on? And then, what would you point to that's showing up in the external environment to to feed that, so to speak? Well, I, you
1: know, I. For me, I'm, I'm insatiable for information, and the Internet's really interesting. Mm-hmm. We have a friend, Lee Carroll, who does the cryon channelings. Lee Clance said to me, in 1988, there was an astrological shift, a harmonic convergence. I'm like, Lee, I don't know what that means. He goes, I know. But as we discussed it, I saw something. There were three very tangible things that happened around 1988 that have transformed us as individuals. You know what they are? The cell phone. We didn't have a cell phone. Can you remember not having a cell phone? I remember that we had a, par- a party line when I was a kid and you had to run down the street to tell somebody to get off so your mom could call your dad. Now, the also, the other thing came out, personal computer. I bought my first computer in 1988. It had 30, 35,000 megs and it cost $5,000. It wouldn't hold the contents of my book. Then the exactly. other thing that came out was the internet, access to the internet. To me, it was like God said, you guys asked for it, here it is, Toyota. You have access to everything. Look what's happened in 22 years in terms of our access to information. You know, President Obama keeps talking about um, transparency. And I'm excited because I think the transparency is going to expose media, it's going to expose money, it's going to expose energy. To me, that's the excitement of transformation and the empowerment of the individual. Now, are we ready for it as individuals? Not yet, really. I mean, I look at, you know, if you watch Fox News and MSNBC, diametrically opposed, kind of front of the hand, same, you know, front of the hand, back of the hand, same hand. But lots of problems, but no answers. I wanted to look at possibility. Not hope. I don't know if there's hope. I can't put hope in a cup of water. But possibility, I think we're right on the edge of enormous possibility. And that's what I saw the transformation of spirituality. If we could empower ourselves as individuals, we're, it's, it's the sky's the limit again.
0: Well, you know, I want to go back in time for a little bit, and we're going to do this when we come back from break. Because, sure. you know, let's take a look at Jesus for a minute. Didn't Jesus live in the world of possibility? And I want to get back yes. to that when we when we come back from break because when i think about jesus and i'm like you uh very early on i got indoctrinated into you know the study of this man we now call jesus and in a large way uh became completely fascinated with the world of possibility that he lived in and at seven years old what else would you call that really but how does that translate to today why is it that we live in this world with this extraordinary teaching of possibility and yet we limit ourselves so often. Well, we're going to talk to Dr. Gene when we come back about that. We're going to talk about his book, very interesting cover on the book, What If We're Him? Let's take a short break right here. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show, and this is like broadcasting over the Internet, which actually didn't exist when I did my first Internet show. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned, everybody. Is your soul thirsty for love this Valentine's Day?
2: Fill it up with Aqua Mantra's I Am Loved Water and feel the love with every conscious sip. You attract love into your reality when you're overflowing with love from within. Pick up a case of Aqua Mantra's award-winning premium natural spring water that flows from the abundant streams of Mount Palomar, California. Now in our brand-new biodegradable and recyclable bottles. On sale at aquamantra.com forward slash I Am Loved. And know you are loved. Ready to manifest your heart's desire? Want to know the secret to navigating life in between times with confidence and skill? Ready, Set, Manifest with Life Coach Debbie Lacey offers real tools to coach yourself through the in-betweens and leaps in life. Say goodbye to being stuck and hello to Ready, Set, Manifest. Visit TheInspiredCoach.com and join the next Ready, Set, Manifest telegathering. You're not lost. You're getting ready. Visit TheInspiredCoach.com.
0: E cloth, the only cleaning solution you'll ever need. E cloth's fiber function does the cleaning, not a chemical reaction. Also no paper towels or chemicals to buy, so you'll save lots of money. And E cloths are guaranteed. To thoroughly clean for years, the whole time safer for you, your family, the environment, and saving you lots of money. As a Dr. Pat Show listener, get 20% off everything you order and free shipping. Go to ecloth.com, and when checking out, enter Dr. Pat. You'll never go back to cleaning any other way.
2: Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Visit macaroot.com. That's M-A-C-A root.com. Call 541-846-6222. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Remember, for our dogs and cats to live long and happy lives just like people, they are what they eat. Wellness carefully selects wholesome ingredients to create food you can trust to provide the foundation of your pet's well-being. True wellness means every ingredient has a purpose in every recipe they make. You can trust the quality of all ingredients in wellness from their source to your pet's bowl. Visit wellnesspetfood.com to find a pet specialty retailer near you. Wellness Natural Food for Pets, where true wellness begins.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to The Dr. Pat Show. Uh, For more information about us, go to drpatlive.com or thedrpatshow.com. Joining me here today is, uh, you know, the author of the book. I've got it right here in front of me. What If We're Him? And thank you for, uh, you know, bringing Dr. Jean Pescucci our way. Uh, There's something going on here, the transformation of spirituality. This is not only a look at what Dr. Jean's journey was like, But really, a journey that enabled him to ask questions like, you know, what is God? Who am I? What am I here for? Now, in this book, the question is, what if we're him? The transformation of spirituality. He gets to share guilt and confusion that dogged him throughout the Catholic childhood and beyond and the extended process of spiritual transformation. He's joining us here today because he's sharing some of the things he's discovered. And most importantly, some of the questions that many of us have asked ourselves, but have been afraid to ask ourselves openly. Dr. Jean, thank you for joining the show today. And I think what we're doing at the moment is, you know, we're kind of talking about this place of transformation and the transformation uh, of spirituality. And I had an interesting conversation with someone today, and I asked the question, you know, Are we truly moving to a place of greater consciousness or are we simply going back in time and remember the greatest, the greater consciousness we used to have? And I think that's an interesting question because it really taps into what we were saying before about living in a world of unlimited possibilities. And I actually referred to Jesus in terms of my relationship and and really understanding the world of unlimited possibilities that he lived in. Do you see what I mean?
1: Yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity to speak, Pat. I enjoy that you're creating a voice for people who wouldn't have a voice otherwise. It's difficult to access the marketplace. And yet, at the same time, I feel, as I'm going through my own experience in this in the last two and a half years of putting this book together, of how many cool people there are on their planet, quiet, serene, behind-the-scenes people that are making a huge difference not caught up in the media, not access to the media, but your world with the Internet creating opportunities for people like me to come forward and speak. That's wonderful and it's fantastic, and I appreciate your oh, work yeah. for that.
0: Oh, sure. I, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled great. we can do what we
1: do here. Um, well, you mentioned something about Jesus, and I, I did a, a search one time, and I'm, I'm, total, I'm a total um, information – I love information. <laughs> I'm on the Internet all the time. I, I'm a junkie. I saw something really powerful. I looked at the name Jesus Christ. In French, je suis, je suis as I am, and Christo means anointed. So je suis Christo is I am the anointed. And what I saw something is I thought, you know, there's no way to prove if this book's real. I don't have any way to prove that it's real. It's a wonderful story, and I love the story. You know, the Old Testament's kind of the setup, and then the New Testament's the opportunity for this being to come into presence. And what I saw was Catholicism for me. is I mean, we did the crucifixion and the Passion of Christ. I mean, I was an altar boy when I was very, very young. I knew the Mass in Latin when I was 8, nine, ten years old. And I remember just so many times standing before those individual 12 symbols and, and feeling so guilty that this being had suffered and gone through so much for us. And, you know, and, and I mean, it worked for a while, and then a sudden, I just kind of fatigued of it. And I thought, what's the possibility that that Jesu Christo is that each one of us is a Jesuit Christo? Each one of us is an I am, and each one of us is an anointed. And I thought, them there's a little thing out of the book here, and I thought, you know, there was a crown of thorns placed on his head, and I thought, don't we all have a crown of thorns on our head as we go through the psychological pains and worries of everyday life? You know, your show is about health, body, sexuality, family, children, jobs, work, lives, death itself. It's not a simple task to be in a physical body in the earth plane. Then he carried a cross through Galilee. Literally weaved all through the town. There weren't very many people on the planet back then, not like today. Right. You know? And here he carried this emotional, spiritual life's cross that we're all looking for meaning and purpose. And then I saw this physical body. He's about to die. He began to have his own awakening in revelation. and revelation. Here he was. He came down, became a man. Maybe he forgot he was God. And he had this experience in a human life and a body, and now he's about to cross back over. And he cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Maybe he forgot. And do we all not forget and become fearful when we're in our greatest moment of challenge in our life? And in the final moments, Christ the man reveals his love for humanity in the quest for experiencing human life and commits on the promise. And in the passion, in the moment of Passover, he utters, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, for they have forgotten who they are. That's the distinction I've been in for a very long time. Did we just forget who we are?
0: Mm -hmm. And that's really what I was uh, alluding to, uh, you know, in an earlier conversation today, uh, Dr. Jane, and that is, you know, there's a lot to be made right now about the rise in consciousness and the rise of awareness as if we've never been there. And this is a little right. bit where I get a little bit, uh, uh, let me just call it, I, I don't get testy, but I just right. wonder where this level of arrogance comes from to have us believe that we're now experiencing a rise of consciousness as if it didn't exist before. But let's take let's take a walk back in time, if you and I could do that.
1: Sure.
0: You know, I, I mean, this is not a conversation for me about religion. This is a conversation about what people believed. Right. And if we go back in time, we go back to places where people had an enormous belief in the anticipated next step, the thing that they did not know about. And yet, whether you call them gods, goddesses, whatever that was, there was this notion that there was a power greater than themselves some people say that that's not necessarily a rise in consciousness that we're on an evolution and i wanted to ask you about that because you've studied this
1: well I, you know i think for me again was looking at that chakras when you look at when you move into the heart chakra mm-hmm. it's about compassion and recognition that your deity it also mm-hmm. has to do with being moral and ethical and honest we have a really difficult society right now that's completely out of control. Here's what I see, Pat, that's going to happen. There's a lot of noise about the 2012, the Mayan calendar. I think it's already happening in terms of the shift and the transformation of consciousness and an awakening and an awareness into higher consciousness for each one of us individually. Now, we can study it. The thing that bothered me about church was I could never get there from there because I always had to feel bad and I was always guilty. And I thought, there's no opportunity out here. There's no possibility in this distinction that I can break through and say, but I think I'm him. you know. The, you know what, there was a thing in the Bible that I was fascinated with where it said, Be still and know that I am God. And I thought, that had bothered me from when I was a teenager. And I have a cousin who's a very powerful minister, and we, had, we were in the discussion about it. And I said, you know, if that was written semantically correct, it would have said, Be still and know that God's God. It also said there shall be no false gods before me. Again, semantically written correctly, there's no false gods before God. So what I saw was this enormous possibility. Can you stand in the responsibility? That's the terrifying part for everyone. What if you're him as a possibility? You know, I wrote it as a supposition in the book, a question, an inquiry, just something to look and think, what if? And if you could stand in that what if, Werner Erhard is one of my heroes who did S in all the training. That was I was just common. going
0: to ask you about the chapter oh. that you wrote about there's more to winning than meets the
1: I. I, you know, and who is this I and who am I without the I? Who is anybody without their I? We're all the I am. It's a collective agreement. We see all the distinctions and the separateness. You know, I see what's going on now culturally. As you look around the world, and there's all these little puddles of consciousness, and we're all rising where we can peek over the top, and we can see black and white and yellow and red. You know, I've been a dentist for 30 years, 125,000 appointments. I have sat with everybody in my chair. Famous people have been there. People from bands. I live in Reno, so I've had some some successful and famous people come through. One of my probably most profound and saddened things was a 12-year-old boy as a patient. And at 19, he was shackled to my chair because he had murdered his baby. And I was looking mm-hmm. at him going, what happened? What what happened? So the distinction was I began to see that everybody had something going on beyond their name and their gender and their identity. I had a really powerful experience, and you've probably read it in a book. It was the day all everyone turned into Christ in my practice. Mm-hmm. Pat, tomorrow morning, you know, you're going to get online and... Your your show guy is going to come to you and say, listen, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, you're interviewing Jesus Christ. How are you going to be tonight? How are you going to be tomorrow? Are you going to sleep well tonight? And when you wake up in the morning, are you going to shower longer? Are you going to put more perfume on? Are you going to wear nicer clothes, dress a little better? And what's that ride to work going to be like? And in my world, I have a little tiny office. I can see my front door, my receptionist, my operatory for my little office. And I had this vision that I saw, heard this entity come in. My receptionist comes in and says, he's here, he's filling out the paperwork. My other assistant comes in and goes, he's in room one, he's waiting. My heart's pounding. What's it going to be like? And I get teary-eyed in this, charged emotionally. Can you imagine walking in the room and putting your hand out and looking in those eyes? And then mm-hmm. the powerful epiphany came. Who am I not to treat everyone as that's who they are? And then what happens when you live in that domain, you shift everyone who comes within your sphere of influence. Because they can't be, they can't be anything but what you're holding them to be. There's so many powerful experiences that have happened over their 30 years in that practice. You know, I'm four inches from their face and I'm looking in their eyes and I'm doing some pretty tedious, intricate, difficult things. I have to hold pace, you know, because, I mean, there's some things that aren't happy for them and easy for me to do. And then there's this powerful distinction of realizing I'm in their energy. I had to do an enormous amount of psychological work around realizing I was an empath and I would pick up all their energy. I knew everything that was going on in their life. It was fascinating, but I was literally inside their physical space. And then it was enormous because it was like they were all me. They were all an I am. They were worried about the same things I'm worried about, worried about our government, worried about our country, worried about money, worried about their family, their health. All those distinctions all playing out all the time for every single person. Drive down the road and get your attention off yourself. And if you're in traffic, what if every one of those people, they're all I am's, they're all worried like you and I are. They're all trying to get home. They're all worried about their family. They're worried about money. And then I saw a really powerful distinction. Each one of us, all we want is an experience. ex-perience, experience. We're in this earth plane. All we want is ex-past, parry around and essence. We just want the essence of having been here. And if we could break that separation, that's what's killing us. You know what I mean? We're at war with one another because we don't see the who we are. I get wound up in this conversation.
0: <laughs> well, well, it's such an empowering thing to a live minute.
1: in.
0: Well, you know, let's talk about this and let's go back to, you know, the conversation about, uh, you know, that many people have. And I'm and actually... There, there are some, some, uh, some folks that are very confused right now and looking for and answer, answers. I mean, uh, you know, there is one of the first uh, scriptures, one of the first things that I learned or learned about. And honestly, I don't know where I learned this. I think I learned this at a very young age. I think I had an aunt um, that would say these things. I, I can't actually remember them.
1: Right. To be they're, they're, they're present and they're real for you.
0: They're real for me. But one of the things yeah. I remember uh, was, you know, the conversation and the question are about greater things than these. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, we shall do, he shall do, you shall do. And right. the question now, in uh, if you go and you look at this, people are saying, well, maybe Jesus didn't mean that. Maybe Jesus didn't mean greater things than these. Meaning greater things than I'm doing, you shall do. That's blasphemy. But is it yeah. really, Gene? I don't think so. Mm-hmm.
1: Because the reality for me is, if if we could open to the small possibility—I know it's going to drive people crazy—if you can open to the possibility that you're something more extraordinary than you ever knew, and you stand in that possibility, you know the thing that started happened for me writing the book was I started having epiphanies, and the more open I got the more things opened up and I found myself in really interesting places and things started to happen where I realized I can never be the same. You mm-hmm. can never be the same when those things happen. So are we doing greater things than Christ? I mean, the poor guy had a donkey and, and fished. And, and here we are connected at a level with millions of people, billions of people. We're almost 7 billion people. I mean, I, lo- I look at the possibility that creation and spirit is in terms of how many possibilities there are when you have 7 billion people. I mean, I don't know if we can get into this conversation. I was looking at the sexuality piece, and I saw you in the interview in the beginning when you said you can't tell the difference between spirituality and sexuality. And Mm -hmm. I speak at the university here for the human sexuality class every time they do the thing on spirituality and sexuality. And what I saw was this enormous, Mm -hmm. fantastic possibility. Can you imagine there's 350 to 500 million sperm in one ejaculation? One man can Mm -hmm. populate the earth in a week.
3: Mm -hmm. Can you imagine there's
1: that much possibility in one human, and there's 7 billion so I looked at it and I thought, isn't it interesting too, by design, I saw this, that if a man and woman spend time together and they both allow themselves to experience one other and in the same moment experience the orgasm, what happens, everything drops. There's no identity, there's no man, there's no woman. Mm-hmm. There's just one pure being, union, communion. That's the true communion, right? One voice. And then I saw this wonderful distinction as a biologist, that in that moment we create the possibility for another being to come into the game. How exquisite is that? And then I saw a really powerful thing. I know you said something about the cover of the book, and if you want to get into it, it'd fit right now.
0: Well, yeah, Picture. let's talk about the cover of the book because I think there, you know, it's it's fascinating. Well, there's several
1: elements. There's several elements, and I was tried let's, they let's tried talk to talk me out that. of it.
0: Let's describe it yeah. for our listeners.
1: Well, what I kept seeing is a lot of my work has happens at night in in like almost like vision quests, and I try and stay mm-hmm. asleep with a yellow pad by the bed, and what I'll do is jot things as it comes in. I started having really powerful dream states, and I had a wonderful friend who said. He's a very metaphysical being from Germany. And he said, Start journaling this because it's very powerful information. So I started seeing the cover of the book mm-hmm. because the title was always there What If For Him? What If For Him? It was always permeating me. And so my mother gave my father, he's eight, my dad's 87. He's had several strokes. He's in a rest home. He's by my sister. And we go and visit him. And he's wonderful. His mind's still sharp. He's getting a little Alzheimer's. So my mother gave a picture to him of a picture done in 1940 by Werner Salman. It's the most famous catholic picture of christ my mom gave it to him to carry in his wallet and i remember i always honored that picture we also had it in in our house so that i kept seeing that picture on the flip side i kept seeing another face as it turned out one of my friends who worked on all my computer work married a woman from romania she had five degrees and was working for a hundred dollars a month in a library in romania and he brought her to the united states and her forte was photography and I said, do you think you could capture my face asking that question? And she says, what are you trying to do? And I said, remember a Cracker Jack's box when you could flip the little thing, the toy in the bottom, and the cow would jump over the moon kind of thing? I said, I want to create a lenticular image on the cover of the book, and I want to take these two faces, and I want them to morph back and forth into one another. And so she figured it out, and we found a company that could do it. And uh, it was called Virtual Images in California. So we took the two images of the pictures, and what we put in the backdrop of the of the photograph is there's a picture of the sun, and the sun is connecting the two foreheads, the third eye, and then it's also connecting in the ocean. What I saw, my best friend's wife died of pancreatic cancer, and he and I went to Mexico together to just escape his insanity. Mm-hmm. And while we were down there, we were we played golf, and we were on a golf course. And I walked over to the the ocean, and there was. The water was really crashing up, and the light was really, really bright, and we were, had multiple groups in front of us, so we had about 20 minutes before we were going to hit the ball. And I'm staring at the ocean, and all of a sudden, here's this sunlight penetrating earth. And it is so bright, and it's at an angle, you know when the sun's so bright it makes your eyes hurt? It mm-hmm. was that bright, it made yeah. my eyes water. And I'm sitting there, and again, remember, this is a scientist and a biologist and a dentist, and, and there's the mystical spiritual piece. I saw this... Matriculation of energy, of the sun penetrating the earth. Almost, you know, I mean it was like a, there was this giant phallic symbol penetrating the water. And in the moment, all of a sudden, creation came, and I just saw everything evolve right out of that moment. And then it ran down the water into my legs. It almost knocked me to the ground. I started to cry at my friend. Tomorrow. He said, what happened? And I said, I don't know if I could explain it to you what just happened. And I said, but I saw something. I saw the sun as Pater, as light, Father. And I saw the earth as mother. We call mother earth, matter. As a chemist in biology and chemistry, matter, the elements matter, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, this gets into the physical component of it. I saw that mother has the ability to take the elementals of the earth and put it into a room and create the possibility for a breathing apparatus, a physical body. And I saw the light energy, the sun penetrating as father consciousness. You matriculate those two energies and you have this enormous miracle right in front of you and I sat there and I wept I weep as I talk this to you to stand mm. in that empowerment and to see that and then he said what made you cry I said it's always been there and I just noticed I've taken it for granted what an enormous gift that we're standing in front of and I know we have the carnival act going on with media and all that it's it's fun it's fun to be on the planet right now it's serious because there's things that are being abused and we're not able to manage it appropriately. And I saw that when you and I talked. How do we move into that heart chakra? My dream for two thousand twelve is the awakening that we move into the heart chakra. Compassion. Recognition that we're deity. That as an awakening. When that awakening occurs, there's nothing to compare to it. You can never be the same. And that's what I what thought. A powerful distinction when I wrote the book is that we are not separate. We are this entity. We're the essence. Each one of us individually. I went to Saibaba in you know, nineteen eighty eight, like I talked. Yeah. We were there for a week. What really got me is he pops out of the ashram. All the women are on the right side. All the men are on the left. You wait to go in. And when we were there, there's 200,000 people there around Christmas time. When we were there, there was about 5,000. It was in late January, early February. The women get the inside of the ashram grounds like a baseball infill. It's perfect. And he'll pop out. Little teeny guy, five foot two, saffron gown, Freddie Fender hairdo, you know, afro. The Hindus literally treat him as an avatar, as a god incarnate. And they'll capture his aura and wipe it on themselves. When he walks by, they'll gather the sand. If you get on the Internet, they'll say he's a fraud and a fake and all that. I didn't experience that. The last day that we were there, I grabbed my camera, and he was going to go into the ashram ground. He had a big, steep bodyguard, and he grabbed me. He said, I'm sorry, you can't go in because he doesn't want you to disrupt all the devotees. He said, but if you want, you can take a picture from the outside wall. It was a scalloped wall, about four foot tall. So I'm leaning on top of the wall. I've got an old, regular film camera, and I'm fiddling around with the... With a film and he came out and baba would stand with his hand they call it a mudra it looks like he's asking you a question what so his right hand would be raised he looked down the barrel of that camera and i had a samadhi experience it's a moment where you completely lose yourself i couldn't tell if i was him or me it was probably a minute in infinity it seemed like it lasted forever for 17 hours on the ride home i kept thinking what happened? what happened Before I had left, I had watched the videotape. He said, if you come to see me, it's because you think I know something you most want to know. My question was, how do we become separate from God? For four months, he appeared in a dream, holding the mudra. The energy would come into the room almost like a power transformer. You know what, a power transformer out on the street? (sighs) There we would be standing in the dream. He kept asking me the question, what's the possibility that each one of us individually is an expression of this being experiencing itself? I'm standing in my bedroom right now, right where he would appear blew me away. It took me four months. When I got it again, I wept and I thought, that's what you most wanted to know. You're not separate. No one's separate. Now there's this distinction. Do I keep that private, quiet to myself, or do you write a book and take it to the world and share it and let everybody think you're nuts? Mm Paramahansa Yogananda said, you'll seek your answers. You'll climb to the highest mountain. You'll find the answer. You'll come down and want to share it with everyone. They know, know, know what you're talking about and you're going to think you're crazy. And I thought I'd been crazy going through this process. But I can't be the same, Pat. Since this all happened, it's a transformation. There was something going on. We weren't separate. You're not separate from me, right? Through this phone conversation, the people listening aren't separate, and we're so hungry for to know that we don't want to be separate anymore.
0: You know, it's really interesting because you know many of many people listening to the conversation would have an opinion about. Uh, first of all, your book about what you're saying about right. what it means. But there are two things that I'm really struck by here, Dr. Jean. You know, one is, um, of course, you mentioned a lot of people, if you go on the Internet, thought that Sai Baba uh, was a fake. Um, if the Internet existed during the time of Jesus, you would probably find the same. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's not just Jesus. Let's talk about them all. I mean, it could be Buddha. It could be any number of people that have come through, have made a spiritual impression on people of this earth, uh whether it's Allah. It doesn't matter. But there are questions and considerations that all of us get to make. That's what I love about us as a species. Really, yes. I love it. I mean, I get to decide what's right for me. You get to right. decide. People all over the world have a way We're to decide. Yes. And, and, I, and I'll tell you what I'm, I'm really struck by there's a book out right now and the and I, I know you know this book but it really is for me it's a departure from what people might call mainstream christianity although i think the author would argue with me and it's a book called it's your time by joel Osteen. are yeah. you familiar with joel at yes. all yes yeah uh, very Wonderful interesting speaks. Exactly. What do you think of of Joel Osteen? Have you ever watched him uh, on, well, whether you watch him on TV or on his website, have you heard his message, Gene?
1: Uh, You know, I I am aware of him, and I haven't Mm -hmm. had as much time to put into him as much as I have other people. Well, let me just
0: give you an idea, and this really is going to back, this is going to go back to what you actually started to talk about and what you've just said here recently. You know, when you pick up a book or you listen to a, a minister... Of one of the largest churches in the country. The country, right? Exactly. I mean, it's crazy if you if you take a look at his practice, his church, and what he's built. But then you kind of look at his ministry, and the book, the book that he writes, it's your time, and it's activate your faith, and so forth. He goes on, achieve your dreams, and increase in God's favor. So this is not a book about. If you don't do if if you do this, you will die in hell. This is a book about possibilities. This is why I'm bringing right. it up because it yeah. brings us back to the possibility. And so one of the chapters in the book says, God remembers you. But the question then becomes, why do we forget God so easily?
1: I saw something really powerful that you know the Pope just came out. They came out with new sins. You know, sins against nature. They don't want to themselves. Uh, ridiculous wealth is one. And I almost saw it as a distraction. I saw there's one sin. And for me, there's only one sin now. It's forgetting who you are. And there's mm-hmm. only one absolution. It's remembering mm-hmm. who you are. It's us mm-hmm. remembering who we are collectively. Mm-hmm. And I, my dream right now is that's going to happen in our lifetime. I think that's why those of us who are here want to see it happen. We want to experience mm-hmm. it. You know, This thing with greed, the banking, all these things that have happened it's kind of the end of an old energy. And you can tell it's a little bit terrified because I think it knows it's ending. I think we're going to see through all of it. I think it was the whole purpose of the Internet. Everything's available. I mean, from the worst of the worst to the best of the best is on there. What's your attention on and What do you want to experience? So for me, the real challenge is that we've grown up with a stigma that we can't... You know, have you ever seen yourself? You've never seen yourself. If you look in a mirror, it's a reverse image. Left is left, left right, and right's left. If you see yourself right. on a piece of paper... So I'm experiencing myself now through you and the listeners. Am I appropriate? Am I you know, am I accurate? Or am I just sharing? And so my fascination is what's available to us between right now and the next day, three to five years? Because we're into some dire straits as far as humanity goes. You know, take a lounge chair tonight and go sit outside. Nature's perfect. It really is. Look at the astrology. Scorpius comes out. And, and where I'm in Reno, Nevada, so Scorpius comes out this time of year. Orion just kind of disappeared. It's all perfect. This is the time of year where it's 90 degrees here. Nature's fine. It's humanity's a little goofy. And I think we're trying to find our way. And hopefully people like you at the show, people like Osteen, all of us are trying to make some sort of a dissonant of contribution. And for me, I'm really in the mode of I don't want to be separate any longer. And that's my challenge. That's all I study. It's all I'm looking at. Every single person you come in contact with is extraordinary. And they just, maybe they forgot. Maybe that's our responsibility to remind them. I'll share a really well, interesting story. We have time to share this one little thing. Absolutely, I, yes. This, um, we were trying to start a hygiene school here in Reno, and there was a problem. Vegas was exploded at the time, and we had a hygiene school there. And the president of our dental society said to me, why don't you write a letter and just see what's going on and see if you can spearhead a little committee. So I wrote, and they had a problem. You know, They couldn't take any of the kids from the north. And we had all of our kids here complaining, going, I'm taking all the credits, I can't get in. So me and a friend started a hygiene school. The community college called me one day and said, we won a national award for starting this school because we raised $500,000, and the committee in Washington, D.C., this watch group, wants to know how you guys did it. So do you want to go back and speak before this group of people? It was a very powerful, elite, wealthy group of people. So I was pretty anxious because I'm not not—I'm not a thespian by any means. You probably can tell by our interview. But here's what was fascinating. I went to do that, and I always had a dream to go to Washington, D.C. I mean, here I'm an American. I've never been there. God, this is extraordinary. I think everybody needs Mm -hmm. to know this. I went into the center of the rotunda. The rotunda connects the Senate, the House of Representatives. It's a center building. In the center of that floor is a little tiny white stone. And I stood on the stone. I'll probably lose it emotionally right now to explain it. I stood on the stone and I got a rush of energy. I felt my father's energy in World War II and all my uncles. I have ten uncles. All those guys went and fought in that war for my freedom. And now I'm standing there. My tears are streaming down my face. And you're looking at George Washington and all these characters. I had my head back, and I'm looking at the ceiling. And all of a sudden, I look at the ceiling, and I thought I re- I didn't know what was up there. There's a painting there done by an Italian. You and I are Italian. Brumidi, Alexander Brumidi. The title – when I came home, I had to look up what the picture was. It's called The Apotheosis of George Washington. Theos is God, apotheo, to become one with God. George Washington is sitting on that ceiling, sitting on a small dress, a desk, dressed in a purple gown with a rainbow beneath his feet, surrounded by 13 maidens, and he's surrounded by the allegories of life, war, agriculture, mercantile. Then between that and the very dead center is a small cloud pattern. And I went, oh, my God, this is a portal. And you know what's on top? I think it's Sacagawea, the statue of freedom, Mm. freedom and liberation from the physical life. So the other thing that's really fascinating that building is a representation of St. Peter's Basilica. Below that little white stone is George Washington's grave. But He's not buried there. He went out the apotheosis. He went out through the Statue of Freedom. The United States Capitol is a sacred chapel. That's extraordinary. And,
0: you know, and this is really, again, you know, what we're talking about is having that discovery. You're, what you discovered. you know how many people have probably walked through there and have never made that discovery? Never knew.
1: It. And I figure some of those characters in there there right now would want to paint the ceiling.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I don't think they'd want to paint it purple. <laughs> I think they. <laughs> you're right. I don't But it's, think it's amazing the mythology that's, that's in we, there. We, we, uh, they wanted to hang the purple. Uh, what do you call that, Teletubby? Yeah. Uh, so y- yeah, exactly. Well, I want to acknowledge
1: oh. a man named William Henry because when I came home, mm-hmm. I found I discovered William Henry, who's done an enormous amount of research on this the yeah, yeah. he is so powerful. And, I mean, that's where I discovered a lot of this information. Because when I stood there, I thought, my God, I just went back here to do a, you know, an acceptance thing and tell these people how we had raised money for our school. And all of a sudden, that happened. And it was so profound and so powerful. And that's what I was telling you. All of a sudden, as your eyes open and you awaken, you start seeing things you never saw before. And then you realize the whole thing. I almost feel like we reverse engineer consciousness. You, there, you know, there's two births. There's a birth of ignorance. You come in and you, you're you hoping somebody will feed you and change your diaper. And then I saw there really is possibly this virgin birth. There's no sex involved. It's an awakening. Mm-hmm. The awakening is mm-hmm. you become aware of who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not male or female. It's not based in gender. It's based in consciousness and awakening and in awareness. It's huge. And I feel like we're right on the threshold of that happening. And then I feel spiritually committed. I mean, you know, I sit here and I write this book and I sit in my room here and there's the days I think... I'm a total nutcase and I shouldn't do this and then there's the days I have an opportunity to speak with you and I get so charged and excited because I feel like you and I are becoming the elders.
0: Yeah, that's that that's the truth. But let's, We're let's I want to talk this. about it. I want to talk about another elder right now because I think there's a phenomenon I want you to I want you to comment on. And I mentioned it earlier today, but I really didn't I didn't understand the impact of what I said until later. I want to talk about James Cameron. I want to talk about the man that was behind the movie Avatar. Yes. And the reason I want to talk about this is because we talk about how divided we are around spirituality, around religion, around values, and yet millions of people flock to see this movie that is about as spiritual as it gets and about as connected to the mother Figure in spirituality, and yes. I want to ask you, how do we explain that? We
1: well, you know the movie Avatar.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: Avatar. The word Avatar means a god incarnate, mm-hmm. a god incarnate. Harry Palmer, who does the, um, the Avatar courses in Florida, Stars Edge International, went to all of his courses. That is Scientology. Yep. Um, Harry ca- captured me when his first conversation. He said, "We're all avatars, just no one has told us." Yes. That's what I thought all along. But I had all these people tell me I couldn't believe that since I was a little. You know, as I told my friends, somebody printed, somebody wrote on my hard drive, and I can't find the delete key. But I've been trying to learn how to write over it. Right? And I'm not begrudging it. I realize that in order to have the human experience, you have to forget who you are. And then the whole, then we spend the rest of the time trying to remember. Mm-hmm. What an extraordinary, you know, it's, it's, it's a conundrum. We're our own enigma. What I loved about Cameron goes back to Titanic. Nobody really yeah, remembers uh, the last scene. Remember the last mm-hmm. nobody remembers the last scene of the movie. Last scene of the movie is we think the old lady throws the necklace mm-hmm. in the water. But if you remember there's a sheer scene where Jack comes down the steps, so Kate she comes down to greet him and then she takes him up the top of the stairs, like walking up to yep. heaven and all the characters are there and they all applaud. Cameron's brilliant. Cameron is probably one of the best poets in our society today. Modern type yep. of poetry.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They
1: totally honored the guy. I mean, he's one of those people you hope you get to meet someday because of just who he is. And, I mean, even in the same movie with Avatar, you know, what's missing for me is a feminine energy. It's been male-dominated for way too long. I think it would be great if men became more feminine and women became a little more masculine to stand up and hold the power. I love that all the women are running for Congress, mm-hmm. you know. I think it's an empowering because I, I think here's my distinction, and it may not be accurate. As I'm always working on a piece. I'm looking at men live and think and women live and feel. You know, I had the opportunity to go meet David Hawkins in Sedona. What a beautiful soul. 84. He's an enlightened being. Wow. We were there for two minutes. I waited at the end of the line just to go up and say, can I look in your face? And he said, what? I said, can I look in your face? It was interesting to drop into a sea of consciousness. And he hit me on the arm and he gave me a hug and like we both knew. You know, and he made the distinction. He goes, you know, once you step out of this physical body, you go, what the heck were we putting up with all that nonsense for?
0: It's fun mm. to
1: be here. It's fun to be here, but it'd be a lot more fun if we remember, because then we're not going to we're going to stop hurting one another.
0: Well, and isn't that the message of your book, really? Yes. I mean, isn't that yes, – isn't the isn't and, and it's exactly like uh, I mean, you know, whether it's Tolstoy or or whether it's you know my guest today. Uh, uh, and I, I want to make sure everybody has the website. Uh, you know, my guest today, joining me, Dr. Jean uh, Pascucci, the book is uh, What If We're Him? And the website is whatifwe'rehim.com. I want to make sure that you all know that. www.whatifwe'rehim.com. Uh, Do we need to make a
1: distinction, Dr. Pat? It's W-E-R-E sure. because the Internet doesn't like apostrophes. They, they cannot
0: stand apostrophe. HTML nope. code does not like apostrophe. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, and, and you know, this has been, um, I want to thank you for joining me here today. And yeah. as we, we get ready to wrap up, I want to go back to the remembering part. Because I, I think that it's, it's a great message for all of us to be on the airwaves to say, look, let's all remember. Let's all remember yeah. kindness. Let's all remember compassion. Let's all remember love. And then we get in our busy day. Yeah. And the question, and I guess the last question I want to ask you today is, what is at risk if we don't remember, Gene?
1: I think it's suffering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I th- and I think that's what we're doing. We're suffering. Because no mm-hmm. one, you know, I, my impression is we're not allowed to know. And, we ha- and then I realized the virgin birth is you have to find out and remember for yourself. And mm-hmm. you remember for yourself it's transform- transformation. Um, there were some things that came across. There's an art piece of art that I had in my house. And I had mm-hmm. to find the woman to see if I could use it. It had been there for 15 years hanging on my wall. At Twelve o'clock. Midnight on a Friday, I'm doing a Google search looking for this photograph. And the woman's name was Anne Roth, And she's in her 70s now, and she has a website called whereangelsdwell.com.
3: Mm-hmm. she yeah. said,
1: "I want to know why you want to use this picture. It's on the back of the book." Yeah, and yeah. it showed a being. And we were in a course where the woman said to us, "I want you to envision a being of light, and then what I want you to envision is a ball of light, and in that ball of light, you're handing, you're handing your most greatest desires to your future self. And Anne was so cool to allow me to use the picture. She's a beautiful soul, and I love her work. Mm -hmm. But what happened is there's a quote. And what came to me was the awakening occurs in a moment, and when it does, one sense of God becomes the sense of one's own conscious presence. And when that happens, you can never be the same. There's nothing Mm -hmm. to compare, Pat, to the empirical awakening, that God is our own conscious presence. And when we make that, we're going to transform this planet. It's going to be what we always hoped it would be. And it's going to have the potential to go back to where it was and what we wandered away from. And now we're going to go back. That's my hope. That's my dream. That's my work. It's my mission. It's my passion.
0: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for um, being uh, just an incredible catalyst for all of us to start asking more questions and to remember who we truly are. Um, Let's make sure we give out the website again and let folks know how they can get a copy of the book.
1: Okay. The uh, website's www.whatifwerehim.com, W-E-R-E. W-E-R-E. Um, you can go on the website. You can even order the book from there. You can go on Amazon if you want. It's on there as well. And uh, I hope you'll get on the website. Um, there's blogging. You can email me. You can talk to me. I'm, I'm very available. And uh, so the same as my wife. So I really appreciate the opportunity, Dr. Pat, to do this. And, well, uh, thank we really you really appreciate Thank you for creating you, a yeah. voice. Thank you for creating a place for us to have a voice.
0: I appreciate that as well. We have the most incredible listeners on the planet, and, uh, and I want to thank all of them right now for tuning us in and turning us on each and every day. Uh, and many of you are right on top of it when we don't get those archives up in time. So we're doing a much better job. Thank you all for supporting the Dr. Pack Show, for supporting our guests, for supporting the many people that are out there claiming their birthright, and that is the divinity of voice. And so from until next time, all of you, please remember who you are. Remember the brilliance. Remember the joy. Remember the power. Remember the compassion. And remember the love. It's your birthright. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show.